Well, welcome. Once again, this is 89.1 FM radio coming to you, Lorraine, Ohio. Happy that you tuned in again for another show. I think we have a very interesting show coming up. And um, my good friend and assistant, David. How are you, David? Real good, Jan. Great to be here with you. Good to be back. Yeah, it sure and, is. Uh, you know, it's uh, really interesting as we go through this year, this past, uh, everything in 2020 with COVID and uh, everything that's been happening in nationally and globally. And there's a real interesting study being done about this whole effect it has, particularly upon people, uh, to complain and to murmur and complain and to kind of get into this negative yeah. mindset. But it's like permeating culture today. And as a Christian, you know, as a involved in teaching, you know, a Christian radio station, I thought, David, maybe we could look at this today, this whole... Yeah. Issue of complaining and what does the Bible say? I mean, it's mm -hmm. kind of almost normally accepted in our world today, uh, in media and movies and, you know, just generally speaking, office culture. It could even infect churches. But the idea that um, why do we complain so yeah. much and, and what does the Bible say? And I know you've done some research on this, David. Maybe you could just give us a little bit of a lead in on that. Well, topic. you know, um, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is as a Christian, you know, we're not supposed to be guilty of complaining or grumbling. We often forget Jesus's words in John sixteen thirty three. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so, you know, you can even go back as far as the Israelites, uh, when God took them out of Egypt, he parted the Red Sea, he destroyed their enemies with a single crashing wave in Exodus 14. Yet as soon as the Israelites were, you know, uh, were out of that, they began to grumble against God, and instead of rejoicing for all that He's all that He has done, and you know, I take a look at that and the fact that you know those the Israelites saw God's hand up mm -hmm. front and personal, and the minute there was some challenges in the desert, the minute they were without food for a little while or without water, they just kept grumbling. Yeah, and so you know, I, I even look at my own life and I think. You know, it's like anything else. You pray for something, God provides it. Uh, sometimes it's it's better and bigger than in the manner in which you prayed. Right. And other times it's not quite what you prayed for. But, you know, and then it just seems like, you know, we're not happy. And then, well, I'll just speak for myself. And sometimes I'm grumbling about certain things that I haven't seen, right. you know, come our way. Mm -hmm. And so this is really convicting. And I think part of what we're going to talk about today is how Christ handled himself going through everything that he went through and the fact that he never grumbled once. Right. You know? And I think that that's really the take-home message at the end of this show today. Well, we'll, and we'll look at some quotes well, with him and how he behaved. Yeah. One quote that really interests me, it's only one verse, yeah, yeah. but it's in Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, and it says this, Now when the people complained, this is Israel, Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it. So that little verse there, and like you said, the people had so much to be grateful for. That was 400 years of slavery. Yeah. <clears throat> God had just delivered them. He's provided mm -hmm. for them. When the Egyptians come after them with their army, yeah. they're actually drowned in the Red Sea. And now they're headed towards the Promised Land. But it says here, Then the people complained, and it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. Yeah, This is important 
that God views complaining very seriously. Yes. You know, we think of other sins like mm -hmm. drunkenness and adultery and stealing, which are very bad sins. But mm -hmm. this issue of complaining is rather um, notable when you go through the Scripture, the Old and yeah. the New Testament. Yeah. So, but, but again, with the Israelites, John, you know, as you said, this grumbling and complaining, and not only the fact that he took them through this, got them out of bondage in Egypt, but he was also leading them to the promised land. Right, right. And so I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm sure the desert was not pleasant, but they were even complaining about the fact that they had to meet, eat manna every day instead of the fine meat with all their herbs and everything right. else that they're typically used to. And then um, while they were in the desert, when they sent some, uh, you know, some spies out um, to look at uh, Canaan and they were frightened by the Canaanites' might because they were, you know, soldiers with swords. And that's really when the grumbling really got to a, to a peak. Um, and they actually were trying to overthrow Aaron and Moses. Mm -hmm. They were going to stone them and they wanted to go back to Egypt. So at the end of the day, I think... Um, the amazing thing is Moses pleaded for for them with God to say, please, you know, um, <clears throat> please continue to help us and get us to the promised land. But at the end of the day, uh, God, the punishment for um, their grumbling was that the current generation would not see the promised land, and they didn't. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know. So God definitely does not like grumbling, like you said. It's a serious issue. Right. And that whole... Chapter 11 of Numbers, you know, you have Israel complains about their circumstance. Then you get to verse 4. Yeah. Israel's now, as you say, they're complaining about their food. Right. Then you get to verse 10. Moses is complaining about the people, his people. Right. It says, yeah. you know, he hears the people complaining and that. Right. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid this burden of these people on me? Right. He's complaining about... So it's in what we see. It's infectious. Mm -hmm. The thing about complaining is, it's just not the person that's complaining. It actually uh, negatively influences the people around you. Yeah. You know, and you be, think about offices. You know, you go to work mm -hmm. in an office. It's almost like natural to, that people complain. Yeah, it, it's almost like it's easy to to say negative things about people, mm -hmm. and in some cases, it's kind of fun. Yeah. You know, if people didn't enjoy doing it, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. And it's always better to look at somebody else's uh, weaknesses than your own. That's for sure. But, yeah, so eat like like I mentioned in uh, Numbers 14, 1 to 4. I'll just read you this yeah. after the, they, the spies went to Canaan and they were frightened by the Canaanites' might. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So um, they were basically done with uh, Moses and Aaron after everything they did for them, right. along with God. So... I um, not only weren't they grateful, yeah. but they, they have bad memories. Right. Egypt is a place yeah. of slavery. No kidding. You know, they're thinking yeah. like the good old days yeah. kind of a thing. But they're, they're complaining against authority. Right. They're complaining against circumstances. Yeah. They're complaining about their situation instead of thinking, hey, we're, we're, this is 
this is not going to last forever. We're on the move. Mm -hmm. And as you say, we're going to get to the promised land. And this is this is really important stuff. Yeah. Because it'll say in the scripture that what happened to them was actually examples to us today. Uh, we're going to look at that in a moment. But another thing that happens uh, with this whole thing of complaining is in Numbers 21. You know, staying with this kind of idea of the yeah, Israelites sure. and the... Um, uh, their attitude towards God, towards Moses, right. towards authority. It says, uh, verse 4, um, uh, chapter 21 of, of Numbers, verse 4, when they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Yeah. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Mm -hmm. For there is no food, no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Now they don't even care <laughs> for that miraculous bread. Yeah. Somebody has given a definition of complaining is one who is dis, is disconnected with his lot in life. He's not happy with what his situation is. And it's exactly what's happening here with these Israelites. Well, you see it way back at the very beginning when God confronted Adam why did he, you know, listen to your, he says, the woman that you gave me, the woman. you know, the woman he's complaining, not mm -hmm. basically against God, yeah. but also against Eve. Mm -hmm. But here, this is like really serious here. And God will judge them in this uh, Numbers chapter 21, verse six for their complaining. It says in verse six, so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. Yeah. That's how serious it is that God is going to send yeah, judgment right. uh, for their complaining mm -hmm. and not being really grateful for um, for what they have. Absolutely. You know what God had did for them. Yeah. And uh, some people will think, well, that happened way back then, but that has application for our lives today. Because when you go into the New Testament in Second um, uh, Corinthians, um, what it talks about, um, you know, they despised God. They weren't given thanksgiving. Um, they were a rebellious people. Therefore, what is God going to do? I mean, we we could actually suffer. We might not see answers to prayer. We would lose our joy. Yeah. We can actually lose uh, rewards that God um, had planned to give us, you know, along the way. And it's it's a very serious situation uh, when you think about it. And then what what is our role in this whole this whole kind of a thing, especially when we when we complain about what God has so graciously given to us. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. It says here's what it says in First Corinthians chapter ten. It says uh, verse seven. Well let's say actually pick it up earlier than that. First Corinthians. Uh-huh. If you notice it it rehearses the whole Exodus, right? It goes through verse one, first Corinthians chapter ten. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware of all that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. That's when they go through the Red Sea. All were baptized under Moses. They ate the same spiritual food. See, there's the manna. They drank the same spiritual drink. But with most of them, verse 5, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, this is important, verse 6. Yeah. Now, these things became our examples hmm. to the intent right. that we should not lust after evil things like they did. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So, you know, we can learn from their bad experience 
don't complain. Mm -hmm. Don't murmur, don't complain, don't backbite. Be grateful. Uh, have the big picture in view, not the immediate circumstances. That's where, uh, then look at verse, if you want, verse 8 through 10. Sure. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes, and do not grumble or some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. See that grumbling, complaining? Yeah. It's going back to what we just read, the right. ones that were bit by the snake. And now look at verse 11. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us See. on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So what happened way back then yeah. has application for us right here, right now, today. And so do you think, I mean, given what's going on in the world, political issues, Afghanistan, all this other stuff that's been hitting, uh, you know, do you think this is a test now and that, you know, we're reflecting on what happened in, with the Israelites in the desert? Well, somebody has said, what, what really is the test is, it's not what happens to us, it's how we react mm -hmm. to what happens to us. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, right, right David? Yeah, and the sun comes so, out every day. Yeah. Right, so, both groups. But how do we react right. to difficult circumstances? How do we react to um, politics doesn't go our way or it does right. go our way or the COVID mask or no mask and all this? Our whole situation is, how am I reacting to life's experiences. And what the Bible would suggest, mm -hmm. number one, count your blessings. Yeah. You know, if there's some negative things there are going on today, mm -hmm. granted, but look, we're sitting here right now. We have Bibles in our own language. We have access to radio program. You know, we leave here, we get a good meal. We drive a car. Yeah. All of these things, we have family, we have friends. What we tend to do, maybe it's part of the fallen nature of man, we tend to look at what we don't have and complain about it, and we don't look at what we really do have. Right. Because if, if we looked at what we really do have, mm -hmm. I mean, we came in here without wheelchairs, you know what I'm saying? That yes. we, we don't have a split. Yes, headache. good point, Jan. You know, you, you can get on a computer. I don't know how these computers work half the time, but I, I can put together a lesson. <laughs> I can do research. Right. I can send emails. You know, that's... It, so, you know, grumbling, it, you know, I like what this one pastor said. He said grumbling is a... It's kind of like a leak of darkness when we are made to shine. When you look at what Paul exhorted to the Philippians, he to the church, he said, Rejoice not grumble in hardships so that they might be we might be lights in the world. That's Philippians two, fourteen to eighteen. So, you know, the question is, do we want to shine in the dark world in the midst of difficult circumstances, or do we want to be bleeding out darkness? If if the unbelievers can't see us. Right. Then how? What? What are we doing here? You know, we're not fulfilling, uh, creating disciples, or transforming the world the way God intended us to do it. So if we're gonna, if that's a good way to look at it, I think if we're leaking out darkness every time, like we're putting a dark cloud over people when we're negative or grumbling right. as Christians, I kind of like that visual. Well, yeah. I mean, to stay with the Philippians chapter yeah. two, he says in verse twelve. Uh, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as just in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, mm -hmm. both to will and to... So we got, we're not just doing this in our own strength. God right. is, you know, the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. So he's kind of empowered us to live this new life. And then look what the next verse says, verse 14, right out of the gate. 
do all things without, without complaining grumbling. and yeah. murmuring. Or arguing. Or arguing. Boy, that's See? hard, though. That is really but tough. The, yeah. But he, he goes back to this idea. You're not doing it like you would do it before you're a Christian. Sure. Now we're heavily yeah. resourced. Yep. Number one, our sins are forgiven. Number two, yeah. he's working in us. Yeah, we're working. If you notice, mm-hmm. it says here, work out your own salvation in verse 12. But in verse 13, it says he's working. So we're both working. Mm-hmm. We just happen to be working in, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. He can give us the power to, you know, when we want to say something negative, to bite our tongue yeah. and not say it. Or to look and how to be grateful. But then he says that you, to your point, David, yeah. that you might become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. Well, do yeah. we live in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Look what they're putting on TV. Yeah. Look at these music. Mm-hmm. You know, among whom you shine as lights. Therefore, people will be, if they're in the dark and they want light, they'll see our lives, something about our lives. They'll see the light. They'll come. And then verse 16 says, we hold fast the word of life so that I might rejoice in the day of Christ. In other words, then we can share the scripture with that person. But if we're negative, right. if we're complaining, that the unbeliever might think, I don't need that. Yeah, I we're we're got no that. different. Yeah. We're no different than the unbelievers. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, looking at my own life, when I was an unbeliever, man, not, not only did I complain, but I did it with conviction. And then I also had anger involved. And I would run people over and do all kinds of stuff. But, you know, now... Um, when I run into a situation, I'm not perfect by any stretch. You know, the mouth may sometimes lead in a way that I'm not always happy about, but I'm much better now because what I'm trying to do is take a, a pause. Yeah. If something's coming at you and you got a fiery dart and it's on fire and somebody just said something really negative about you or you're ready to jump on something that's an untruth, that's when it gets challenging, but that's really when you got to hunker down and try and figure out the best way to send a response. Right. And sometimes no response is better than the wrong response. And I think one of the things that you told me uh, a while back, and uh, it was really helpful, is you said you want to kind of sprinkle coals over people's head. Well, Proverbs says that, yeah. Right. So maybe you can talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. how to do that. Like, like Like when somebody throws a fiery dart at you, my understanding was you kind of spin it and say something positive about right. that. Is, is that what you... Well, that's one of the ways yeah. because th- th- this really is the way these things happen. Yeah. You know, that communication breaks down, right. relationships are... Is somebody says something, an insult or something. Now, if we take it, we're going to respond to it. The yeah. whole key is how do we respond? Right. We basically have, I don't know, two, two primary responses. Either we're going to take it and react and, and right. come back at the mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. you know, or as a Christian, it says, pray for those that despitefully use you. Uh, don't return wrong for wrong. Uh, maybe, you know, it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. But what you're going to be developing, you're thinking, okay, they said that. I don't know why they say that. I'm not going to defend myself because my identity is in Christ. I know who I am in Christ. So people might give you high compliments. They might give you low criticism. So, I mean, if you go to chapter 14 in the book of Acts, at one point they want to worship Paul. Yeah. Because he just did a miracle. 
10 verses later, they're stoning him. Yeah. So, but it, Paul, he says, I know who I believed in and I'm persuaded he's able to keep me. So he doesn't, man's opinion uh, doesn't matter that much to Paul. So in our lives, yeah, we're hurt if somebody insults us, if somebody, uh, we could, somebody could cut us off in traffic. Yeah. Well, what good does it do? I react, <clears throat> right. get blood pressure up and he's, I mean, he's getting on with his day. Maybe he's tired. Maybe he did it maliciously. Probably most of the stuff isn't malicious. It's just carelessness. But if I don't react, then I just say, okay, he did that. I mean, people are getting shot because they react to a driver that's going too slow or cuts in front of my right. Yeah. It just escalates. It escalates. That can happen. It shouldn't yeah. happen. No. You know, yeah. That we just have such short fuses. And again, I think... The counterbalance to complaining mm-hmm. is gratitude. Yeah. Without a doubt. No question. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. It, you know, we actually, didn't we do a show on gratitude? I think we did. And it's kind of like um, when you are uh, pushing out the light and you are grateful for everything that you have, what's amazing is when you start walking, you realize how much fruit is coming off the trees as you continue to move forward. Right. So God actually does reward you. At least, at least that's the way I see it, John. Don't you? Well, I mean, Bible, he rewards you in a lot of ways if you are positive, even in the midst of tons of grumbling and negativity around. Yeah, uh, the Bible says, "Do not grow weary of well doing, right? For in due season you will reap." So yeah. it's using that <clears throat> reaping kind of a yeah. metaphor. So well doing, I mean, if you return kindness for an insult, if you don't react when you could react. If that push and shoves and you don't push back, mm-hmm. you're planting seeds that somebody might think, you know what, there is something about the way he yes. responds. There is something about that. And that could really benefit. But I think, it, number one, I, I know complaining displeases God, and I believe gratitude pleases God. Yeah. And one of the things it talks about in the Scripture, if we want to see our prayers answered, I love this Scripture because it's like a little insight. Yeah, It says this, um, um, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, First uh, John, okay, chapter three, it says, "Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight." Yeah. Do you see that little uh, yeah. additive there? That cut. Is this pleasing? I. I know it pleases God when we don't respond in kind, you yeah. know, when somebody, because it's just, just so natural. Mm-hmm. It's just so natural. Mm-hmm. And to act like this other way is like supernatural. It's spiritual. But it's, you know. It, it, it's it's a challenge to, you know, I was talking to uh, actually a buddy of mine um, that's a Christian too who's led a lot of uh, businesses as an executive, senior executive. And I said, you know, it is really hard at times to be a Christian when you're running your own company. Mm. It is a challenge because sometimes just the way you have to interact with your partners, how they're interacting with you, attorneys involved. So there's a lot of things in life where you just have to think things through and figure out how you can still be a Christian and deliver the light versus negativity. Mm -hmm. You know, I I like what, what at first Peter 4, 12 to 16, uh-huh. Peter says, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come onto you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Jesus told us, where right. Troubles yeah, will right. come, but right before he ascended. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, 
so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. So we're not here to do things that we know are not right, right. and that are, are criminally based. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And that was the scripture of reference? Uh, 1 Peter 4, 12 to 16. Yeah. Yeah. Especially where it says, what does he say? Don't react or return. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. As fiery ordeal that has come onto you, do not be surprised. Uh, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice. So, um, you know, and, and he's right. Don't be surprised when trouble hits you. I mean, all, all of us have had trouble. Look at the world right now. Yeah. You know how many people I talk to, they just said they're just turning the news off. They can't take it anymore. It, and, you know, I understand that. And, you know, we still have to be informed. But I think the the best thing to remember you know, and we also talked about this, is that God is on the throne. He's in charge. Yeah, right. Well, we don't know what all this is going to turn into, but we do know that he is in control. Right. So whether this is a lesson for us, whether it's to bring more believers on, we don't have any idea what the reasons are, but we can't get to a point where we have lost all hope uh, because Jesus, you know, has conquered the world. And, yeah. and we know where we're going. And, and and we know that we're supposed to have troubles in this world. He yeah. told us. So this, this shouldn't be a surprise, regardless of how crazy everything does seem. And it, it seems to be one thing after another. Yeah, I think it's part of the age <clears throat> we're in where communications is so quick. Right. And social yeah. media. And when I grew up in the 50s, we had three mm -hmm. TV stations. Now, I don't even know how many there are. We don't yeah. even get newspapers anymore. Everything's online. That's but the, true. The, the amount of stimulation we get yeah. and the amount of media that crosses into our mm -hmm. purview on a given hour, let alone a day, it's, it's a lot to process. And a lot of advertising and news is built to, 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 to build up fear <clears throat> or a sense of dissatisfaction. If you don't have this car, you should get that car. Right. You should get this car. And the Bible gives us a whole different way to it operate. It does. You know, instructions. Yeah, and exactly. So we're supposed, Christians are supposed to model a better approach to life, right? And in 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Set an example for believers, as you said, John, yeah. in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. It is important to always keep in mind that for the unbeliever, this world is as close to heaven as they will ever be. For the Christian, this world is as close to hell right. as it will ever be. That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's that's this world. It's fallen, but you were to be lights in this world and yeah. offer a different uh, right. example of how to live this life. And, you know, it's interesting what it says about Jesus. Though he was reviled, he did not revile. You know, he didn't open his mouth when he was, you know. And there was false accusations and a friend betrayed him yeah. and he was being spit upon. Now... I mean, that doesn't mean we can't protect and defend ourselves and our right. families. But nevertheless, most everyday life is uh, a series of uh, perceived or real hurts. Somebody didn't call us. Somebody insulted me. Somebody cheated. And you, you, how do we react to all that? You know, that's, that's the issue. And do we internalize it? It becomes a root of bitterness. 
You know, and we should talk a little bit about Jesus now and his oh. character, especially with how he was treated. Sure. I like Isaiah 53-7, uh -huh. where it says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as his sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Right. That's amazing when you think about it. Yeah, and then 1 Peter 2, 22-23, it says, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, he was on a cross. I know. So, you know, I, I got to tell you, sometimes I go back to that point when I'm thinking about the grudges I hold against people. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I go back to the cross and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Uh -huh. Would I, could I possibly even consider responding to my situation that way? Yeah, right. At that point in time when he's in excruciating pain, you know, he's just been beat up uh, all through the day. He hasn't eaten. So anyway, I, I he is such a model for us. Um, and if the Son of God did this, what does it say about us? Yeah, right, right. I mean, he's God. He told Peter, yeah. Peter, don't you not think that I can pray to my Heavenly Father he would sell 12 legions of right. angels to right. scorch her at the place. I mean, he, mm -hmm. if he wanted to retaliate, he could have retaliated. This whole thing would be like, you know, nuclear. And he didn't. He withheld that because of his love for us and the, and the willingness for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever. Yeah. You know, if any... I was speaking the other night at a Bible study. I said, you know... Every day the welcome mat is out. The porch light is on. God is welcoming us, you know, sinners to come to him and come into the house. And there's tremendous blessings inside that house. Anyone that's walked with the Lord mm -hmm. for any period of time, yeah. it's not prosperity gospel. I'm just saying prayers answered, doors open, favor, peace, relationships, fill in the blank. And that's just our limited lifetime here. Right. We don't know what's coming. Right. It says in the Bible, I have not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man what great things God has planned for those that love him. Right. <laughs> right. That's, so the best is yet to come. Yeah. You and, know, that's why a Christian doesn't have to uh, face death with a morbid fear. Right. Like so many people today without any hope, without any relationship with God through Jesus Christ, uh, death is a fearful thing. You should tell the audience about how your brother passed away. Oh. He was telling jokes. Uh -huh. um, uh, he died of what? Uh, well, yeah. My brother Jim, we were very close growing up. We were only separated by 18 months yeah. in age. And he would end up going to Vietnam. It was in the first air cab, helicopters, yeah. right? Right. And he served two tours of duty. That's 12 months mm -hmm. was a tour, so he did two tours of duty over there. Um decorated, you know, as a good mm -hmm. soldier, came home, and it'd be three hours after, three years after his discharge from the army, he became a Christian, real Christian, right? I'm, you know. Yeah. And God put on his heart to go back to Southeast Asia. So he got trained, and he <laughs> went back with his wife as missionary. And then he came back, and he was involved in social work and that with the county over the years. And all of a sudden, he starts getting sick. He was really pretty healthy. You know, by this time, he's about almost 70 years old. And he knew something was wrong, but they didn't know what. He was going to the clinic, and they're doing tests. So finally the doctor says, um, we got it. It's Agent Orange. You picked Gosh, it up during the yeah. war. But it was in the bone marrow. It was mm -hmm. like hiding or dormant. 
and now it's leaching out and it's basically going to your heart and it's hardening your heart, calcifying your heart. Mm -hmm. And they, he said, okay. I mean, he wasn't happy to hear the news and he went to treatment and even some specialized research they were trying on him. And we prayed and we did pray, you know, continually people prayed. But when he left the clinic, he had to sign himself out. I was there the day he did it. He says, I'm not going to die in a, he was going to die, right, within two weeks, maybe a month at the most. And he says, I'm not going to die in a hospital. He signed all these forms to let him come home. I remember, I helped bring him home. He says, I want to die in my home, my own bed. But while he was going through that, by this time they brought hospice care in, you know, somebody checks his temperature and all that. Um, he was very upbeat. He was listening to hymns. He was conversing. He was telling old jokes, remembering old memories. And the hospice worker even said to him, Jim, when you get to heaven, ask God to bless me. Or you might forget. Jimmy goes, I'll pray right now with you. So he kind of prayed with him. Right? It was kind of funny. That's great. But um, the whole family was gathered around. It wasn't like a morbid fear and what's going to happen and all this. It was just his life was coming. And his life was not a, a it doesn't end on a period. It ends on a comma followed by an exclamation mark. Because this 70 years he spent here was just a brief interlude yeah but he had that joy to your point david uh how could he have joy or a sense of mm -hmm. peace when he could have been fearful yeah. complaining even complaining to god why must i die now shouldn't i live another 15 20 years and all of this he didn't have any of that but again that wasn't his own that was because he knew jesus and he had that peace in his heart which goes back to our topic today it's not what happens to you. It's how you react to what happens to you. That's correct. That's the critical You're issue. Right. You know, um, <clears throat> Excellent you know, I yeah, mean, uh, I, if you study the, like Ted Turner will say mm -hmm. his life turned when his sister, I believe, died of cancer. He was at a young mm -hmm. age and he became an atheist. Well, that's the direction he went. Other people will go that they'll become bitter. Well, where Johnny Erickson Tata in a diving accident when she was a teenager, she was a quadriplegic. Yeah. And she was almost suicidal, but she used that to become an incredible Christian, artist, author, uh, helping people that have handicaps worldwide. But see, these things that we encounter in life mm -hmm. are gonna make us bitter yeah. or better. Right. Bitter or better. And by God's grace, what we're talking about now is that we can go that better route. And to realize, like you said, David, God is in control. He's working out a plan. What if I'm going? The, the basic thing is this too shall pass. If you're like my brother, he was going through a difficult period of time, but that too shall pass. His pain was gone. He went to be yeah, with the Lord. There was closure. I remember what you told me uh, when I had some big controversies and some real challenges. Uh, that's when I when I became a Christian. And you said, Dave, it's like uh, potholes on uh, on the highway. Yeah. You know, you're you're in this stretch, but you're going to be going to the autobahn soon. You know, it's going to clear up. Just remember that this is just a short term thing, even though it doesn't feel like it when you're going through it. Oh no, it's yeah. real. You cannot minimize when somebody's going through something. <clears throat> they're going through something, and often they don't want yeah. advice like Job's friends gave right. him back in the Book of Job. Yeah. They just want you to be alongside them. Yeah. And maybe offer, you know, if they ask for advice or prayer. But we're in a world now, I call it, we're in a spin cycle. You know, when you look in the dryer and you see yeah. the clothes going every yeah. inch. And, and when it goes like that, you yeah. you got to, everything is changing. It's just what it is. You know, 
the economy, the political scene, education. People don't even go to offices now that we got used to working yeah. in homes. All kinds of things are changing. When things are changing all around us, yeah. get with that which never changes. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and, and the Word of God. Jesus says, though heaven and earth shall pass away, my word will endure forever. And that's when you go to John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus says, abide in me. He's unchangeable. Mm -hmm. And my word abides in you. The unchangeable word. So you have the unchangeable person we're going to try to stay close to. And the unchangeable scripture we're going to try to internalize. You know, put it in our heart, live it out. Then he says these four promises. You will have an effectual prayer life. You will bear much fruit. Right. I will call you my disciple, and you will be glorified in your heavenly Father. That's that's the purpose of life, right there, summed up in two verses. Yes. You know? <clears throat> and also, you know, uh, through this, I can just tell you from our perspective, my family, we're grateful we know the Lord. Yeah, right. Because when you got flying monkeys all all around, and they're dropping bombs or whatever else on your head. If you if you think there is no stability anywhere, and that you know that you don't have a path forward after this world, I can see why it's so chaotic. Yeah. I can see why you're so negative. I can see why you run for addiction, uh, you know, items. And um, you know, I think that's really where we've seen uh, the uh, gratitude too in our own family is we feel very blessed that we have become Christians. Right. And so, right. because then you can kind of look at the flying monkeys, but keep walking. And, you know, I like the other thing you told me before is, you know, you can have, uh, birds can fly over your head, but just don't let them nest in your hair. Right. And right. it's the same with negativity. Exactly right. You know, let it fly over your head, man. Yeah. You got to yeah. move on. If you let it nest in your head, it grows. You know, the darkness you're right. grows, John. You're right, David. Even in the secular world, unbelievers... Yeah. The biggest motivational speakers out there are extremely positive. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you, be positive. Now, that's the secular world, but it has spiritual overtones because, A, you're more optimistic. You, all these studies are right. being done. You're going to sleep better. You're going to anticipate good things <clears throat> happening to you. Right. People are going to be more attracted to you. They, you don't want to hang out with a continually right. negative person. Right. But if a person's positive, he's encouraging, that really helps. And I firmly believe the world today is looking at believers. Can you show us how to go through difficult times? Can you show us? Yes. It's one thing when everything's prospering and this is good. Right. But can you show us how do you go through difficult times? How do you? That's like after 9-11, so many people were going to church. They were saying, God bless you on secular TV. Mm-hmm. They were saying, bring some order to this yeah. chaos. Well, where do you get order and where do you get beauty and symmetry? It's in Christ in his word. You know, it's not, it's not, I want to say, it's not really that hard in some ways. Just, you know, <laughs> look at what the Bible claims and then start living it. Except yeah. Christ is your savior. Right. Maybe somebody's listening even now to this radio program and they think, oh boy, my world is upside down. Yes. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things scare me when I watch TV and uncertainty with the economy and the stock market. Well, get with get with the rock. You know, Jesus is that solid rock that never changes. And um, there's a real good, uh, we don't have a lot of minutes left, but there's a real good example of this written 3,000 years ago huh. in Psalm 73. 
This man was a very religious man, okay? When you look at Psalm 73, he's an extremely religious guy. He's actually what was called a choir director in ancient Israel, which is a very high ministry position. But notice, I don't know if you have it there. Just look at verse 1 through 3. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Notice, even though he's Israel, he's a Jewish fellow, and God is good to Israel, he says, but, notice that, for me, my feet almost stumbled. Why? Because he's envious. He's complaining the wicked are more prosperous. They don't have, and he'll go on with this thing. Look at verse 3 through 6, 4 through 6. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. See, he's saying, hey, the wicked have it so good, and look at my situation. He's complaining, but this is like 3,000 years ago, right? He says, um, verse 9, they set their mouths against heaven. In other words, they don't care for spiritual things. Their tongue walks through the... Therefore, his people return here. Waters are full, a cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know this? In other words, the wicked don't even care about it. Yeah. And there is, and is there knowledge of the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase their riches. See his complaining here? Yeah. He just keeps complaining. Right, right, right. But look at his assessment of himself in verse 13 and 14. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishment. Notice that. He is yeah. emotionally, it's affected him emotionally now. Do you see that? Yeah. Uh, he says, what good does it do? I cleanse my heart in vain. I wash my hands. In other words, he's living a godly life is what he's saying. All day long I've been plagued, chastened every morning. This suggests he's not sleeping. He's waking up in the morning. He's right. Been, you know, he's, he's right. troubled. This this is interesting how he describes it, but it has application for us right in this month. Look what he says when he tries to get help. Look at verse 15. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Notice that. He can't share it with others because he's in this important position. He's been Mm -hmm. whining. He's complaining. Why are the wicked prosperity? And I've done all these things right. But the critical issue in his testimony is that verse 17. He says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood. In other words, when he goes into God's presence, it starts fitting into place. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to complain anymore because he says, oh, the wicked are are set in a slippery place. They're going to go down to destruction. In other words, he's saying, I was complaining and envy, and here they're, yeah. they're headed for destruction, right. these people. Um, then he says about himself, verse 21, Thus my heart was grieved, I was vexed in my mind. In other words, he's convicted now. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. See, once he goes into the presence of God, God reveals his own heart. Yeah, You know, he was looking outside, you know, all the wicked people and all this corruption. But then he says, but I love this where he says in verse 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by your right hand. 
you, God, will guide me in your counsel and afterward receive. Now he's becoming thankful because God is in his life. You see that? Yeah. You were with me before. You're yeah. with me now. You're yeah. holding my hand. Even in eternity, I'm going to be with you forever. Yeah. And then he summarizes his whole testimony. This is really interesting, you know, how lively this is for our day and age. Right. He says, verse 27, For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. Just like today, the wicked people that don't want to repent, they're going to suffer. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. Then here's his summary statement, verse 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. That's that's uplifting. That's grateful. That's thankful. That he's not worried about the wicked and the prosperous. He's just concerned of his way. It's good for me to draw near to God. And by proxy, 3,000 years later, that's good advice for us. It's good for us to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord. Okay, not in his world around him and everything, false riches. Right, right. Now, because of that, look at the last verse. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell all of um, I will tell all of your deeds. Notice that. Yeah. Now he's got a testimony. And God lets him write the next six Psalms are attributed to this man. Yeah, wow. But 3,000 years later, we're reading about his testimony. And that was his prayer that I could tell others about your deeds. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up a Psalm because one of the things, the thing I've researched is, okay, we're not supposed to grumble. Yeah. How does God want us to complain? Well, so, no, that's right. a good point, David. So, so uh, uh, well, what I found is that the book of Psalm contains prayers and hymns that God chose to teach us how to express ourselves to him in worship. About a third of these psalms are laments or expressions of grief or sorrow, and they are a precious gift to God. So, you know, some of the um, writers, like Psalm 137, talks about, you know, when you're feeling sorrow. Uh -huh. Psalm 140 talks about... When you're angry, Psalm 69 talks about fear, etc. And it even goes to repentance, Psalm 51, disappointment, Psalm 74, depression, Psalm 88. So do you have, um, yeah, I have some of the Psalms, but, you know, when you read them, they're really dated. So my question to you is, is that just kind of a benchmark of how we should pray, but we, we put our own twist on it? Well, because, yeah. I mean, because it's really, I mean, these, these are dated. I mean, and it doesn't seem, well, which one should I, which one should well, I Well, if you look at Psalm 77 for a minute, that it's, this key, he cries out. He said, yeah. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my mm -hmm. voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day yeah. of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. Right. He's lamenting. Yeah. He says, he's, he, God might feel distant from him. I don't think this is wrong to do, David, right. in the sense that we're being very transparent with God. He knows our prayers before we ask him. Right. But this whole experience, he says, I remembered God and was troubled. My, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. So he, he remembers all this. But then he says uh, in verse 10, and I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. In other words, when God was working his life. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate in all your works. I will talk of your deeds. See, complainers yeah. have poor memories. They just think about what's going on right here, right yeah. now. 
and they don't remember like, whoa, you did deliver me. You did answer that prayer. You did, you see, he's, he's encouraging himself now. So, so he's basically talking about how he feels rejected. Um, but, you know, and he's talking about, uh, you know, how he's feeling, but then he praises God in the same breath. Yeah. He, he's, so it's, it's not grumbling, but he's just communicating how he's feeling. Yeah, right. I mean, he's being honest before God. Yeah, I, I think that's a really, a, that's really refreshing that we have these yeah. lessons. Right. Uh, gee, look, David. Three times in the garden, Jesus prayed. Yeah. If it be your will, take this cup from. He was it. sweating blood. Sweating because he yeah. saw what he's was the coming. Son of God. Yeah. Three times. Right. And the prayer wasn't. Right. Three times, Paul says to God, "Please take this thorn of the flesh away from me." Three right. times, but God says, "My grace is sufficient for you." Okay. It doesn't, the key with, with the Christian life is that God is with you and he'll yeah. never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, 13, 17 missionaries are now in, in, in kidnapped yeah. in Haiti. We right. don't know their future. We're right. praying that they be released. Um, I just come back from a mission conference where missionaries are coming back from parts of the world. People are being thrown in prison because they have a New Testament. Uh, some are killed, you know, in parts of China today just because... Apple has just discontinued their Bible app in China. Apple has pulled it. It's on the news. It's a big item. Um, we're in a world that's that's vexed. It's troubled. It's fallen. Well, how do we march through that? How do we walk, as they say, this pilgrim way? Number one, we associate with other believers. Yeah. We get great strength from them. Number two, we try to be people that praise God and are thankful and gratitude. You know, maybe I don't have much today, but I'm grateful what I do have. And that infects and encourages other people. Right. We look to God. He holds, you know, promises like, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, I started a good work in you, I bring it to completion. Right. I hear your prayers before you even pray them. All of these kind of things encourage us. And that's one reason we sing at church. We should sing more, but you sing a song like Amazing Grace. Right or how great thou art, that lifts you up, does it not? Even even unbelievers like the, the Amazing Grace or Oh Holy Night at Christmas time, right? Because music has a way of building us up and strengthening our soul. Yeah. And we need it today. We sure do. More and more, you know, to be those those people. You it, might have some closing thoughts. Well, there. yeah, I mean, uh, I, I kind of like those Psalms, you know, of lament, you know, they remind us of the truth of Jesus' statement, in the world you will have tribulation, and he points us to the great hope. Take heart, I have overcome the world. John sixteen thirty three. So if we want to complain to God, you know, it says don't grumble. Learn from the lamenting uh, psalmist of how to be faithful complainer. Um, so even even to your point in reading that psalm, you know, you can tell him how you feel, but then always give him glory in the same in the same breath. Yeah, right. right that, that's the way to do it. Yeah, I mean because. Again, Paul is writing many of his letters from a prison cell yeah, in Rome. That's, and yeah. he's saying in Philippians, which you started with, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Well, how can you say that? When I was in Rome, I went to that cell. They believed right. he was actually in. Mm -hmm. There's good proof that this was... Wow. It, it's like a... It's like a... Go into the worst basement you can think of. You yeah. Know, go down these steps <laughs> and it's dark. And there's a hole in the ceiling where they maybe drop roped the prisoner down in and maybe they said they used to throw food down there parcel food and he must be there with a candle rats running around or whatever 
And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. <laughs> You're thinking, what? I'd complain <laughs> if I don't get a parking spot. I know. In church. You know? but, That's the truth. But how do we develop that attitude and how do we cultivate I, that? The key yeah. is to do it. One key is this, is cultivate it in the really good times. You see, you would, there was an old adage these missionaries, the Moravians used to have about, they, they were going across the Atlantic to be missionaries mm-hmm. uh, coming from Europe to the Americas. And th- th- there was an incredible storm. This is a sailing ship with sails in this. I think, I don't know, 1850 or something. And everybody's going crazy. They're running around the deck and all that. And they go down below. And these Moravians were in lower down, steerage. And they're all sleeping. And they're going. And so the next day, the storm subsides. And these people go down and go, weren't you concerned? We almost went down. The ship was going back and forth. And they, and they go, no. And here's what we do. We, they said, we pray in the calm and we rest in the storm. We pray in the calm and we rest in the storm. When you have calm days, when nothing big is happening, pray, 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 pray. Most people wait till they get into a storm and they start praying. A crisis hits. All right? Not to say they shouldn't, but the key is, is bolster your strength in the calm days of your walk, your life. Pray in the calm rest in the storm it's a good adage and, you it, it know, sure is boy yeah. it reminds me of christ in the boat remember yeah when that storm hit and these guys were going crazy and he was sleeping yeah yeah and they called him and yeah. said do you not we're perishing i like that visual there, there, yeah. there's a very interesting thing there in his humanity yeah he's sleeping he's yeah. tired he's walking right. but in his deity he yeah. tells the wind to stop and yeah. raise the call right so you see a good juxtaposition there yeah of the deity of jesus and the humanity of Jesus. Sometimes people don't view those, or they get a mm-hmm. lopsided view. But he was both fully God, but he's also fully man. He got tired. He wept. He got thirsty. Yeah. You know, he got, and so all of these things give us an example. Really, it sure does. You know, yeah. In the early church. But a, a big key as we bring this show to a close is I would encourage all the listeners to realize don't be alone going through these times in your life. Absolutely God has put not. us in community, yeah. church, mm-hmm. fellowships, yes. Bible studies. Yes. Don't be alone. You can have joy even in the midst of a storm. It's not easy. I don't try to minimize it. But uh, again, Paul says in Philippians, and he again, he was writing that from a prison. He was probably facing death yeah, in the near future. Yeah. Uh, rejoice in the Lord right. always. And again, I say rejoice. Amen. So thanks again, David, and everybody that tuned in. This is 89.1. Uh, radio coming to you, Lorraine, Ohio. We hope to have some special guests in the near future. Mm-hmm. And now that we're back and kind of running right. again, and yeah. uh, uh, hopefully this COVID thing is simmering down too. I mean, I look at the stadiums, I got like 100,000 people yeah. to stay there. Yeah. So God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, God willing, we will uh, speak with you next week. Have a great Bye. weekend, everybody. God bless.